got uh, other man, Jack Manning Bancroft here, who's a bit of a legend in Australia, who's the founder of AIM, you know, and about a million other initiatives. Um, used to run around in his Speedos a bit. I don't know if he still does that. He's still got a six pack there that's uh, worthy, speed, Speedo worthy there, bros. Sorry, my partner's just grabbing the keys and that might have just jumped into the recording, but let's go, we'll, let's go again on it. <laughs> that's all right, man. But no, we, 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 this is this is rough as guts. We're um, it's real life here. Your partner comes and grabs your keys. Oh, well, that's, so we're still live. We're still going. And that happens. Yeah, Easy. yeah. Am I um am I running around my speedos? Yeah, like I uh, we so we did a we we're about three or four years into running our organisation, like and we um we were just battling for funding about with like three months to go, we had one group that was going to support us like at the other end of Christmas or at the other end of December. And the guy I was working with at the time had a swimwear company called Budgie Smuggler. And <laughs> like, we stayed in this basement we were working out of until like 11 at night trying to brainstorm ideas. And, mm. and he said, oh, well, I was trying to, I was thinking about trying to break the Guinness World Record for the world's largest swimwear parade. So um, we quickly turned that into strut the streets and then five weeks later we were walking through sydney cbd and had people wearing their bungee smugglers and smugglets and um and we almost broke the guinness world record and we did it for like six years and turned it into this awesome like party it ended up with a pool party and it raised us the money that we needed to keep going and oh, it couldn't couldn't have been a further jump from like the work <laughs> that we were doing but we managed to somehow say that there was no shame at aim so that yep. was continue continuum well look uh so aim the australian indigenous mentoring experience been kicked off from the start but jack when he was still a real young fella um and 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 jack is a bit of a master at um at pulling off like like you know how they do weird publicity stuff now they they like drop something and it goes viral uh you were doing that before that was a thing and, and you were doing that through traditional media even and uh you know, everywhere and, and always able to, to raise exactly what you needed to make it happen for community. Um, but, you know, you were raised in, you know, you, your mother's quite famous as well. Uh, so maybe you'd like to talk about, you know, uh, your mob and, and, and where you're from and, and how that's, that's shaped where you, how you've, uh, you know, come into this, this amazing space where you're just about to set up a completely different uh, online alternative economy and community. Yeah, I think um, what did mum say to me when we were growing up? She was like, you know, the Sally Morgan is a really good friend of hers um, who's a writer and um, an illustrator. And Sally said, you know, Bronnie, be well-known, not famous. Um, and mm. she, so I've grown up with mum's Aboriginal um Mum would also say, like, I'm a person. Um, so one of the things that, you know, we're always kind of wrestling with is you sometimes, especially as an artist, like for my mum's a visual artist and she will be described as an Aboriginal artist. And, um, like, she's also just really talented as an artist alone and being able to stand alone on a national and global scale yeah. as, a, as an artist whilst being unbelievably fiercely proud and driven by her Aboriginality, mm. making sure that that isn't a containment thing that oh. sort of puts her into a small section of a gallery. Or, That's it. Um, it is always immensely hobbling, isn't it, to be an Indigenous something. Yeah, it can you know, be because you're relegated a tiny slice of market share, but yeah, but you also, um, yeah, you know, also, um, 
you know, you're not out there in the cut and thrust of stuff like uh, like there's a lot of mediocrity that's generated there because of low expectations and and uh, a sort of a lack of critique of your work or, or challenge or competition or anything interesting like that. And you, you can know, it's and a, it's a bummer because it's like it, it's a it's such a complex double edged sword because you 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 totally want to be proud of your Aboriginality and, and or, or being Torres Strait Islander or, or whatever your identity might be where you come from. But there's and there's something that happens in that moment of being cast with that with your identity before the art that you do or mm. your talent, where yeah. it suddenly it, it sort of puts you into a smaller room. Um, and it does. It's a strange thing that we've done psychologically, and yeah, yeah I think sometimes it's a it's a it's either a really it might, you know, I, I like to see, think that human, the best of human beings and think of our heart that we're decent and sometimes we just make some poor design errors and, you know, that we definitely have the capacity to, to be evil, to be cruel, to hurt people um, intentionally or unintentionally. But I like to think that for the most part we're, we're decent beings and I think sometimes we just create designs and we don't understand the, the consequences. We might be wanting to lift a person up um, by... Yeah highlighting their Aboriginality and then doing so over an extended period, creating yeah. an industry and then suddenly a ceiling and a box, which has been so much of our push in the last six or seven years as we've expanded globally to try and really smash through the ceiling of what's possible for an Aboriginal kid so they can see any pathway anywhere um, and that they don't have to be restricted by their Aboriginality, but it can be a rocket ship. Yeah. Sort of I mean, unless they're doing that for everyone else as well. Yeah. So, you know, Tony Abbott, British Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah, 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 <laughs> whatever it might be um, like. Jesuit, Jesuit Union buster, you know, yeah, like. The Pentecostal name. Prime Minister. <laughs> if you're going to name it, name it. Um, you know, but if you're just doing that for some people, it's it, it's problematic. But then at the same time, it identifies for people who, who are looking for the rigorous Indigenous knowledge. Um, you know, so it, it's kind of helpful there as well. So it's, it's a really tricky thing and it's just something we have to live with. Um, but you've been, um, you've been just smashing through that since you were a young fella, you know, um, and, and just doing like very like out of the box, you know, innovative things that just kind of doesn't just ignore that glass ceiling. It sort of completely shatters it or like, or not even that you, you would, you put on roller skates and uh, put it to a different use or something, you know? um jujitsu stuff yeah i i um that's like very kind of you to, to sort of to say and i i think um you know i i just was looking at i think there's probably a couple of things that that really have influenced the like the motivation to work in the way that i work and look at how we can shift systems and you know the the first one was that I just wasn't like a, I want to change the world kid. Like I didn't really, I was quite, I was quite selfish in that I wanted to pursue like a career in professional sport. Mm. And, I, and I was got, I learned my work ethic, which has helped me be where I like continue to keep going. Like I got a good mm. work ethic, but it was driven out of wanting to beat other people, wanting to win, like wanting yeah. to compete. And so I've had to unlearn a bunch of that stuff. Um, mm. And and try and work out how to build sort of more decentralized organizations, trying to work out how to, how to, how to sort of use that internal energy without there having to be losers. Um, That's it. how to, it's sort of been yeah, an interesting, interesting learning. Well, and you've I had to get more clever with that because when you were younger, 
you know, and you were using that competitive energy, you know, quite strongly. Um, that was appealing, you know, um, that was a, appealing to a lot of power and a lot of money and a, a lot of, um, you know, boards and CEOs and all kinds of stuff want to get behind you because they can see this message of uh, individual, rugged individualism, individual resilience, you know, neoliberal, bloody clean your room kind of <laughs> discipline, um, austerity kind of messages is what they would spin your your energy into. It's not, it wasn't your message, but, you know, that very, that, that powerful, uh, you know, independent, resilient energy that you were putting out there, that was something people wanted to get behind, um, you know, back at a time when, you know, solutions to the indigenous problem uh, were always uh, about the individual, upskilling the individual. And, you know, uh, we solve indigenous employment by, you know, teaching a community with no internal economy, you know, training for jobs that don't exist and, and <laughs> you know, all yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. Well, I think you know. that, that's the part where, like, I was talking to someone the other day about, because um, we're looking to do, as you sort of mentioned, we're, we're looking in the next sort of 12, 18 months about whether we can build our own independent digital country where people can come in and you can, you can really start to explore um you know, another alternative model to exchange, which at the heart of our work has been, you know, when we began, as simply as I can possibly try and describe it, well, my mind flies at a million times, million seconds a, a beat or whatever, yeah. um, is that, you know, we got a university student who might be a future person um, to move into privilege, uh, who's sort of standing on the other side of the bridge to give their time to go and connect and build a meaningful connection through this bridge of mentoring to a, mm. an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander kid and to create an exchange. And the exchange is around time and knowledge and opportunities. And what became interesting for us is we, the more we scaled that, there were two things became really, um, really apparent is we could, there were these huge shifts on what was happening for the university student in their sense of value on what they valued in in society what they wanted to be what was important to them and i believe it'll influence a lot of decision making that's done by people who've been a part of that experience over the next sort of 20 30 years and that's part of the tactic of the model the second other side of the bridge is we you know we're saying to aboriginal and torres Strait Islander kids like you know you you've got power and you've got agency and you can play ball in both worlds and and you get to shape that and and you get to design that and these uni students and us are here to kind of just try and provide a stage for you to show you're not a problem to be fixed, but you're the solution. I think something you touched on there, Tyson, as I was sort of describing to someone why we're trying to build a nation is that there was a, there was a certain ceiling for what was possible with that, with that model. You could get kids through school or they could have an amazing experience in the mentoring experience with us, but then go back to schools where teachers hadn't, was so tired and so fatigued and hadn't found a way to make that sort of connection that we'd managed to facilitate for university students and high school kids. They didn't have the language or the ability to, yeah. to imagine and, and create that connective tissue. Um, employers weren't just like, there weren't necessarily not just jobs available. There wasn't a, a complexity again as to how to build that dialogue and that relationship and, and to extend it beyond uh, forgiveness or, um, or the stage of saying I'm sorry to into complexity where we can get unstuck and we can get moving. And 
and mm. then more widely kind of yeah you, how you move how you move the economic levers which at its heart is how do we move what we value so we can build a more equitable um, local state national um, set of principles and values and then therefore a, a more equitable economy and a more well, that's it i mean you're having to reimagine value itself and i, I guess we'll get into the 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 theoretical side underpinning all that but it's um it's this massive culture jam too almost that's happening because you are you're essentially essentially you're um preemptively colonizing a piece of cyberspace which is i haven't heard of any other um you know indigenous person or organization um you know staking out some kind of westphalian <laughs> you know boundary around something in in cyberspace and sort of claiming this um you know and, and sort of basically planting the flag there and claiming yeah, that yeah. space because I, I think a lot of people don't sort of see that that's the new frontier and that eventually the the real world you know westphalian borders will be collapsing and nobody really care about that because of you know all the traffic and and, and i mean the new territories will be cyber territories so um, i mean we really do need to be in that space yeah but it's yeah. funny then also there, there's something i wanted to ask you about this your sort of shift when you got out into the world and and you were seeing more internationally and traveling all around and setting up partnerships in many different countries and you start to see it's like well hey it's not just us it's not just about uh you know um um uplifting uh blackfellas you know using our organization to help us uplift our own community that's not our way we need to look everywhere else as well there are people who are suffering there are people who need our help so we need to be in Ethiopia helping people. We need to be in India helping people, you know, um, because that's how we do. I just, uh, I really did admire that that shift as well. Yeah, it's a, it's it was scary because it opens up like I think when you do look, the basic theory was we're stronger together. So if we can build a connected um, network of intelligence that that connects people from outside who've been pushed outside the margins globally and then connect that network with people who have access to wealth, to power, to opportunities, to decision-making. Mm. And that can be what we, what we create. And there's a shared value where we're coming in to go, all right, we, we recognize there's challenges of the past and we're gonna meet here in this network and we're gonna get to work on how we can build a more equitable world for tomorrow's children. It just mm. felt to me like that was how you move um, the macro system. And when you think about, as we were talking earlier about Indigenous affairs in Australia, there's a very small part of the pie. So I was looking at New York and looking at all these places where this wealth was and Dubai and stuff and going, all right, well, let's go get that. Let's go get the whole thing together. So we get yeah. a, a broader share of the pie, not so we're just banging on the ceiling of like the Australian government's Indigenous affairs funding. Like let's let's bring the world together and 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 open up different pathways to to exchange of economy and opportunities. And I think the that that was also really scary and really hard um, because like I don't have a diplomatic way <laughs> I have a <laughs> let's, let's go like let's go yesterday um, and I have yeah. an agency and I and I want to cast the biggest possible vision and so what I do with thinking about creating change is like what is the end place what what can I see as to where we can get there and I never know how um, I just know if I can see it, we can do it. And, and then it becomes like, like jumping out of a, 
um, playing without a parachute and the parachute's 150 metres in front of you mm. and you're, you're falling for a kilometre and you've got to catch that that parachute. And I think the the part which, which you know, was, was, was and is um, challenging and has been challenging has been that, you know, we... AIM is not as comprehensive uh, delivery as it was five years ago for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids um, who were in the program at that stage. And I believe what we're on the cusp of doing is in the next three to five years, opening up a whole new set of interactions and possibilities to, to really have a go at, at lifting the macro challenge um, across, across the country. And an analogy I'll use uh, is like, you know, we're not, we're not selling toothbrushes like so mm. not like you know here's 10,000 toothbrushes that we sold to indigenous kids whilst um there's not running water for another 90,000 so if yeah. we can't think about an interconnected system where you know for those 6,000 kids that used to get aim year in year out mm. what about the other 160,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids in secondary school and yeah, what about the kids who aren't Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander whose lives, are, they're really struggling and they're our brothers and our sisters and our cousins and they, they live next door to us and, and, and some of this stuff could help them. Like we, I think we have a responsibility and an opportunity to be, to be global leaders of solutions as Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people and I hope that that, um, now the hardest part for me is feeling like I've let down my own people. Like that's the, the thing that sort of like, hurts my heart so much and just yeah. I want to make sure that you know that eventually well, I, we can I think you know that. you haven't I think you know you haven't but um but you'd be aware that 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 would be the thing that would be said that the perception would be out there yeah well I think it's also that, so it hurts your heart to know that there are people from your own mob who would be saying that about you and it's valid, like to like to a point. Is actually the the logic of the critique of is aim as comprehensive as it was when we were delivering like you know, um, 10, 15 tutor squads to like fifteen different schools in one location, and there were all mm. these days, and we had all these employers turning up in one place, and it was like a what we built was a per, like a really rich, like complex, beautiful aim world, mm. but it wasn't going to change the world, and so it's it's not as comprehensive as yeah. what. Well, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't complex in in comparison to what you're doing now. But yeah, no, what what it was before was quite a linear and quite a a, a tight focused targeted uh, intervention. Yeah, you know, then, it was addressing certain uh, social determinants. You know, where people could have lower life expectations in a lot of areas, and it was directly addressing those as KPRs, as you know, outcomes that could be affected by this intervention of setting people up with you know high power mentors who they would otherwise you know uh, never get to have the same kind of mentoring that rich kids get etc uh, or that you know settlers just take for granted as access that they have to knowledge and wisdom of how to operate in a marketplace so you're addressing that quite directly but then you know at the same time then we're sending kids out into a um, into a world where there is no place for them in that high powered way there's maybe like five percent of them that could actually get that could actually rise within that yeah deep you know? value. like where where is the where where is the not the charitable valuing like where yeah. deep 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 human to human valuing. yeah um and i think that's what like that was the punk in me five or six years ago where i was like you know i i, I sort of done the transition plan to like bounce 
um, outer aim and, and it was set up to do be this like really beautiful contained um, example of a case study of how to do part of the, as you said, part of the ecosystem. Yeah. It was so digestible for everyone from like the Macquarie Bank conservative person. That's it. Everyone. And they could see the um, outcomes. They could see yeah. the intervention. They could see the message, you know, the, perfect then, package. Yeah. And the part, but you're, you started thinking more systemically after that. It's not you really, you like, had a complexity yeah. lens on the world and you could see that you needed to change systems and that you needed to indirectly affect basins of attraction, et cetera, within complex systems in order to uh, actually change the landscape that um, all these kids are going into. And, and, and you know, power was, is one of the scarier words to utter in, in this sort of conversation to say, yeah. let's really actually talk about power. Mm. Um, because if we're willing to offer power for a week of the year or a day of the year, um, what is that? And that, that really, you know, the, the more I was looking in on it going, I feel like a fraud um, because we're telling these kids, you know, you can take on the world, you can do all these sort of things. And I'm looking at data, which is saying in 25 to 30 years, 49% of jobs are gone. Um, yeah. I'm looking at this serious climate change emergency. I'm looking at, um, yeah, a, a ceiling to uh, equity where you can get a certain amount, but in terms of actually power distribution and where that's going specifically with the dollar, how do you circumnavigate it? How do you build different um, pathways to exchange so there's any opportunity to do that? And then there's that societal uh, worth of how do you stand alongside people as, a, as an equal and we can get back to, we can find some place where we see each other's human decency. And I, mm. I think that's the, the challenging part now for where we're at is that I keep, people keep wanting us to go back to like the, can you just give me the dashboard? And I'm like, man, we're talking like, we're talking, we're not talking about selling toothbrushes. Like we're not talking about, do we go from 9,000 toothbrushes to 11,000 toothbrushes? Like we, there are measurements and there are, there are numbers mm. are really, really helpful. I think in design for trying to track some things, I yeah. think it's definitely helpful. And then there's just like, yes, we are going to try and have a crack mm. at influencing the way society works in a lot of the major levers. And mm. that's, that's intimidating because then people say, but what do you mean? You're actually going to try and change all of inequality? Yeah. Well, why not? Because it's not like it's, you know, you've got educational inequality and it's not, mm. not like saying, oh, we work on educational inequality or inequity um, and then we work on selling croissants. Like we're not saying that. We're saying, well, we kind of think that maybe inequity is pretty tightly linked to educational inequity and unless you can work on those, the levers that impact all of them, then then for our mission, which is to create a fairer world, it's just, we, we can't do that. We can, we can yeah. go back and say, we want to provide a thousand opportunities for high school graduates. Now that's a different, that's a different organization. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's, a, it's tricky, you know, because yes, for every extra year of education you get, um, you add uh, five, five years of lifespan uh, to a person that, has to exist in in this economy and in this society um and so we we do that we go well education is good but you know it's it's you know it's like oh there's something i can add to my petrol tank you know to get an extra few k's out of each tank you know uh that doesn't mean petrol is good <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that doesn't mean the additive is good 
I mean, it has lead in it. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's um, people people have all this arrow straight thinking and this this very you know tight focus on things. And it's just a constant charging forward, you know, into things without considering broader things. So I was very very interested in the big pivot you made towards complexity. Um, and uh, particularly the the risk that that's taking, you know, for you in, in a world where not very many people understand what the hell complexity is or what systems are or how things work that way. And, um, you know, so so taking a big leap into that, it's um, it's incredibly courageous, bros. Um, it really yeah, is. Yeah, well, it, hasn't, has, it doesn't come without a... I think part of the pressure of, of then doing that and jumping is that, you then expose like there's been numerous times where like I've had failings in my leadership um, like just which is so obvious to me and I just like oh man I wish I had that that time again whether it's interpersonally with someone that um, that we employed or like how I you know sprinted through um, the campaign in America and and you know didn't didn't like pick up the pieces of a lot of the relationships that we sort of set up, like go in, kickstart, and then someone would go, yep, let's cool, and then sort of bounce to the next person, really played sort of snakes and ladders to try mm. and get to the, the rooms of power as quickly as possible. And there's some stuff like in playing the game where it's um, you kind of, it's hard to be like morally, ethically like proud of yourself when mm. you're in that game system and you're trying to, move change as quickly as possible and and i think that's sort of you know you kind of have to become that to make it happen you know you're in the you're in an art of the deal bloody landscape for us yeah i think i think a little bit i i also think i'm i you know i'm it's it's brave and um and dangerous i think it's probably worth saying like there's people who have and and the space that we play in it's, it's again, not selling toothbrushes. Um, mm. Actually interviewed Taika Waititi about three or four years ago. And nice. it, it just at the end of it, because we interview a bunch of different people um, to be mentors, like for the for the workshops and, and sessions that we do with the kids via video. And and Taika just went on this rant, like at the end of it, he's like, okay, what's your lesson, main lesson, Taika? He said, I read books and then don't be a dentist. So maybe he was <laughs> like, he's wormed into my brain on this toothbrush analogy, because um, it just kept going. Nice. Free books and don't be a, don't be a uh, yeah it's a, he's he's not much of a follow your dream kind of fella is he it, yeah, like he can see well i just for anyone who doesn't know who he is he's a maori uh filmmaker he he famously did uh like saved thor ragnarok from being a disaster <laughs> they got him in at the last minute to make it into something interesting um yeah so you've got like maori sort of rock monsters in there going hey i wanted to start a revolution bro but i didn't have enough pamphlets so fine. <laughs> I, I watched it in queens and there was about six people in the theater and there was just a certain tone which he hit which was so in my good anxiety yeah just going straight above the yanks heads it was really enjoyable. oh man well jojo rabbit just it, it it missed a lot of people like they were just what the hell did i just watch but like um you know, every black fellow I know, every indigenous person around the world that I know has talked about that. It loved it. Loved Jojo Rabbit. Like, you know, <laughs> you really see it. And um, I don't know. And, and a lot of settlers too, who, uh, you, you know, understand uh, the importance of relationality, you know, in complexity and systems health, um, kind of get his work. 
because it's always based on a foundation of that, you know, and it's pretty much, that's how you're going with your, um, you know, putting together this Imagi dash nation, you know, putting together this like gammon nation online, you know, uh, the economy, you have an understanding that an economy is a system of relations, a web of relations, and the economy within that, like the, the, the currency within that is really just a, a way to track uh, exchanges and flows of, of uh, information, resources, knowledge, particularly as well, um, you know, in, in value across this system. So for you, it's setting up the system of relations first is key, you know, and then, uh, and then figuring out how you're going to do the currency. Look, I know that uh, donut, donut economics had a really big impact on you as well. But um, yeah, to jump in a bit to some of the theory behind how you're going to make this uh, alternative economy work. Yeah. Because so it's not blockchain, it's not a digital currency, it's something else. Yeah, it'll be an experience. Like, so we've, we've got an economic view um, and a theory that underpins our work called hoodie economics. And it's, it's based on, you know, the central um, agent who's engaged in it thus far has been a volunteer university student of which, you know, 10,000 plus have been a part of over the last sort of 17 years and volunteering up to the, you know, 20 hours plus each. So I don't know, 200,000 hours worth of time that they've then engaged to pass on their knowledge and just be there as a, as a support person to, to a young person. And the, as part of them volunteering, they've uh, obtained a hooded sweatshirt, like a hoodie, which is our, mm. sort of being like our uniform and our symbol to, you know, I, I dug um, Mandela's probably like my closest civil rights hero Um and, you know, when he went and stood, I think it was 1996 in Ellis Park and put on the Springbok jersey, I just could understand the power of what cloth has for transformative bridge building. And that's what we're trying our best to honour mm. what he did there in creating designs that can be can be actionable fashion. Um, and then, Actionable fashion, nice. Yeah, I think, the, and then the more that's moved, like the hoodie has gained its own worth. Like someone said to me this, a funding guy was like, oh, um, you know, my kids don't like wearing the hoodie uh, because they feel like they're um, they're just kind of cop out, they're cop outs because they haven't been mentors. They haven't actually done anything to earn it yet. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of built the s helped us continue to try and build this essence of how do we how can we move the transaction forward so we can look at whether people can exchange their time, um, exchange their knowledge, or develop their knowledge, or um, or offer opportunities or obtain opportunities and we can then track that. So we're going to create a, a digital country called Imagination mm. and people will be able to log into the country and in the country there'll be a library, um, there'll be a TV channel or TV station, there'll be a radio, um, there'll be a meeting place which will be a jobs and opportunities hub and then there'll be a university, um, a gallery and you'll be able to go in as a citizen and be like, okay, I'd like to work on a project to create change around education and equity. And if you're a high school kid, there's a, in the, in our university, you can go and do a degree for a year and do an entrepreneurship degree. If you're a teacher, you can teach with imagination. If you're an executive, you can start to level the playing field within our university and set up a co-CEO model to bring someone from outside the margins into the boardroom. Nice. In, In the meeting place, there's, um, a space for employers to offer jobs and opportunities 
for young people outside the margins under the age of 30 and mm. then a chance for the youngsters to come in and also pitch their opportunities and say, hey, I'm looking for someone to give me a hand with this. I've got this project or I've got this concept. So it's not all jobs. It, it can mm. be also opportunities and short-term time exchanges. And with every one of those interactions, and then you go over to the library and you read a book on imagination or you read a book on building bridges or organising change, every single interaction you unlock points for the time that you engage in it. Um, and then they'll be sort of weighted. So say you offer a job, it might be 150 points. Say you read the imagination book, it might be 20 points. Um, so you then bounce down and, and you do the you know, university degree um, where you're going to be a volunteer mentor on campus for a year and lead a student chapter. You might get 500 points for, for helping mobilise a network and organising change and doing that stuff. And then you can go to the shop and in the shop, we're going to have 50,000 hoodies that we start with that we've got donated and then you'll be able to exchange your points for a hoodie and we'll be able to track in real time two, two measurement systems. We'll be able to talk to that stuff we were talking about earlier, Tyson, around how do you measure um, societal action and how do you measure change and knowledge change and behavioural change and some of the other levers. We'll actually be able to track within the ecosystem in real time via a stock exchange and then we'll be able to add in um, the transaction and track you know, where people get to with certain benchmarks of achievement and show how much like a, a hooded sweatshirt, a piece of cloth with a value system and putting the money, putting the dollar out of the picture or, or way further down the line, how much action you can generate um, through time and through knowledge and through opportunities. So that's, that's the ecosystem. And then we're looking to bring together a huge coalition of partners that are, that are sort of like the mycelium network underneath the nation state that are feeding through and then our organization we're trying to push further and further to design it in a, a cellular circular model inspired by the mycelium network and then inspired by first australians and other indigenous sort of circular um, cultural gathering groups so trying to take that sense of the design of, of local really hyper intelligent um, natural cellular systems and then be able to interlink that to then help power the nation. And then underneath that bedrock, if we kind of think about the way the earth works with different layers, is our wisdom and our wisdom's informed by um, our board of directors and then mentors and residents. We also see kids as a key part of that wisdom and helping inform it, elders past and present, which we think it's sort of carried on by a mentoring. And the mentoring is one of the actions that's helped pass knowledge on between generations especially in some of the more um, longest, longer running uh, continuous cultures like Aboriginal culture in Australia, Aboriginal people in Australia. And, and then we go down further to the core to see the origins of, yeah, going back and being inspired by, um, by our values and then the six knowledge fields that we think are, are critical for, for creating a more equitable world. And we think they are imagination, mentoring, hoodie economics, flipping the script, building bridges and organising change. And mm. um, so we kind of, a, that's the earth visual I can kind of see of the core leading up to the mycelium to then have this circular network of, of partners all helping power. What I like about this economy is it, um, it, it never forgets where it is in the stack, you know, and it never forgets that it's interrelated throughout that stack because you're describing this evolutionary stack there. You know, and and all the layers um, of of land and sky and 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 um, you know society and people and everything else, you know, because currently you know this digital world exists in a stack and, and but it ignores the rest of the stack. It ignores it right down to the mycelium, and therefore it it outsources um, 
all of its impacts, all of its um, externalities and damage, it outsources it throughout the stack uh, and right down to the mycelium, it outsources all that damage and all of that extraction kind of ignores that it's there. But imagination, it, it, it kind of exists like it's not actually in the cyberspace. That's just a tool for um, tying together a lot of relationships because it is quite clearly in the world, in material things. So even your currency, you know, your on online currency, is it, it's not really a currency. It's just a way of accruing um, uh, proof of work in order to, to purchase this token in the real world, which is a physical thing in the real world. It's not an NFT. It's not a non-fungible token. It's quite fungible because all the hoodies are the same, you know? And, and, and they're exchanged, and yet it represents your value contribution, you know, personally, you know. Um, so it's, it's very interesting because that in itself, it's not an item of trade. Like, like you, couldn't, you couldn't pass that hoodie on to someone else and sell it to them for $10,000, Yeah, you know, because it's like you said, you'd feel weird wearing it if you hadn't earned it. You know, so it's tracking value and storing value somehow um, in, in, in an item which is fungible and yet not tradable. You know, so it, it forces everybody into, well, what, where is the value that we're reimagining here? What is actually being traded? And, and it's, it's just these relational links and the work that you put into um, um, moving knowledge, transmitting knowledge, sharing knowledge and uh, resources and time, uh, you know, through this web of relations, which is your economy. It's incredibly um, disruptive innovation that, that kind of, it, it just ignores the logics of everything that's going on in the world at the moment, even the disruptive economic uh, innovations um, that are going on. You're, you're, you're breaking the basic physical laws of that <laughs> and everything and um it's just uh, i'm finding it to be beautiful you know what's emerging you how, how are you feeling about it um yeah well we're on the point of recording this we're a couple of weeks off the um the first sort of big pitch to the coalition of partners and uh yeah it's it feels like the the natural um, finish of, of this design exploration as we try to work out how to bust out of that contained frame, um, which was very digestible to build an ecosystem that could support those intercollected relational, um, you know, that network and then activating it with a, with a value system where people are working towards a specific outcome. And it's something I've loved with designing the university, like, being able to go, well, there's a university here where we're acquiring knowledge but we're, and we're all zeroing in on one specific outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think it could be, you know, a way I think about how our universities evolved is, you know, you had you know, very broad brushstrokes of like the history of higher, of higher education, but you kind of had it locked away as being something for kings and queens and the aristocracy. And then, it, you know, the states go, righto, well, we'll open this up. Um, to everybody and then Britain goes what are you doing you can't have like what are you gonna, you can't just have the ruling class has got to be the intelligentsia like what what are, you can't open this up to everybody opens it up but then we have this gnarly period in the sort of 60s of 
um, free higher education that starts to then open up. That's huge developments for people and opportunities in um, Australia and other places. And then you get to um, this period of sort of MOOCs and massive open online courses like the internet, sort of this freedom space for knowledge. And then MOOCs helps curate, you know, free courses. And what I think Imagination University is kind of, it's, it's a free university. It's also open for five-year-olds through to 105-year-olds. And what I like about the design is it zeroes in on a specific target. You know, most of the students are working on alleviating either educational inequity or inequity at large. And it could be really cool to see, you know, hundreds of our universities worldwide dedicate their whole university, the whole student body, everything they're doing to solving climate change. Mm-hmm. And going, let's do this. We're going to be singular in our focus and economics, um, education, everything we're doing, we're going to work on a way to activate now, not 30 years from now, this huge force of, of people that are here. And I think it's a way that university universities can stay relevant is to work out what are we, what's our higher order calling and what's our higher order purpose um, beyond just being able to, you know, be well known by the business schools and poached in by the banks. That's not enough um, for higher education. And that's not the calling of what I believe the, the role of our, you know, our bastions of education should be holding up. So that's what I like about that piece. And in terms of nation, like it's, it's just, uh, it feels like this is the place you have to be playing. If you're serious about inequity, if you're serious about societal state change, you have to learn about economics and you have to work out how the levers work in that. And, it is built to be scary. It is built to fit, make you feel like you're an imposter in it. And I'm feeling more and more confident in just understanding that it's, it's just what we value. And then yeah. there's all these other numbers and all that stuff. But when you distill it, it's just like what we value. And that's what's cool about the dollar. We can change what we value. And that's what gives me hope. When I think about you know the potential we have still for movement is we can subvert mm-hmm. the dollar exchange. We can also shift what, is valued and, and the dollar is simply an outcome of what us as human beings um, mm. choose to value. Well, you may not value capital in the same way as, as you're coming into this, but um, you also arguably would be unable to survive unless capital values you, um, at least for a while <laughs> in a time yeah, of transition. Yeah, you, you, have you won't be allowed to exist. And, and hoodie economics isn't like a complete, like it's not saying we, we want to leave um, a capital system, like that there's no money or no dollar exchange, that, that it's part of it. But it's mm. entering a conversation and a dialogue. If we, can, if we can kick the dollar a little bit further down the line, then just in the simplest of interactions, we can walk in and have a conversation with um, insert tech firm A and say, mm. hey, what could we do like just together let's 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 agree that we believed on this purpose and what mm. we want to try and do what could we actually do and not have that kick to like the one day a year charity time like mm. let's just talk about this because we actually if we think about our social contract as Rousseau talked about our responsibility for each other a mm. uh, common social contract to lift each other up this is our responsibility as human beings it's not corporate yeah. social responsibility like this is the core of the core of the core. Well, um, and so if, if they can see it as, um, as, as investment, as a place to park capital that's going yeah. to keep producing value, then that's a tick. But then it's also um, uh, what it's doing is it, it's, it's providing, you know, little bits and pieces of, of what the welfare state would usually provide as well, but arguably doing it a lot more effectively. 
and sort of uh, really pushing people towards, uh, you know, community resilience and, uh, you know, pulling their socks up and doing for themselves kind of thing as well. So that would be attractive to capital. You know, uh, the idea that it's, um, it's, it's a mechanism which, you know, if put in place, uh, could result in, um, you know, easily diminishing the size of government and the, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, welfare safety nets that are out there in the world. So that would feel attractive to capital um, as well. And I guess it's how you present it uh, when you're in different rooms. Yeah, there's um, plenty, plenty of, my partner likes to say there's lots of doors into the house. Um, <laughs> that's a challenge with communication, isn't it? It's working out how, how macro you can go in what spaces. Um, and I always feel quite uncomfortable, like, um, like playing the communications game of targeting something into another audience. And so probably I, I could make it a lot simpler, but I would rather just be as honest as possible and go, this is, this is like what we're trying to do. We want to, we want to change the whole thing. And so let's try and do that. And that makes it a bit more of a, of a complex kind of dialogue, I think. And, you know, as you're talking about capital, one of the things I'm fascinated in is I think our ability to develop ways of connecting through exchanging time together, exchanging knowledge, exchanging opportunities together, it, I think it prepares us to be agile and adept and resilient as we, as we navigate growing automation and as we think about you know different models of where we might be there is a reasonable chance not a crazy outlandish chance there's a mm. reasonable chance that we might not as a on mass be living to work that there may mm. be a universal basic income within my lifetime and mm. that means a very different mindset to, to worth and value as yeah. human beings when you wake up and you don't have to be motivated by what you achieved in your calendar, but you actually wake up and go, I have freedom. Now that is scary for us because mm. we, we, if we have freedom and you follow a logic that our minds are free, then you very quickly use your imagination. Um, and there's, a, there's this NASA study that I think it's 97% of five-year-olds have a genius level imagination and uh, 3% of 35-year-olds. And it makes, the, there's lots of arguments as to why that is that way. Mm. One, like, one thread I have and take up, I have on it is you're getting closer to death. So you, you totally want to close your imagination down the closer you get to death because you're like, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. And our, our, when we get free, we think about death. And if we can, if we can get free, think about death, face death, face our vulnerability, then I think we can get through that door and live. Mm. And that's, that's what's on the other side, I think, of, of a lot of the opportunities that are presenting themselves in the forms of obstacles with a lot of yeah. the that's accelerating. There is, an, there is a world where we could be, and, you know, for the Amazons of the world, why are they going to pay a higher tax for universal basic income? because they still want customers to buy something. So instead mm. of them having 40% off at sales and no one's got any money left, if they take that 40% off their product in the sale and they put it to the front end, then capital gets to keep moving and they get to keep still existing in one way, shape or form and, mm. um, and keep having their yeah. one level. But of I keep looking at UBIs and, and all the different models that are proposed and, and but then stepping back and saying, no, this entire that entire system that demands that there needs to be an income for a person to be able to access the things they need to survive is problematic to begin with. I look at all the proposed models. I look at the modern monetary theory one and 
you know, it's about, well, we can just, but if we say how much money is in the economy and bloody just use that and fund it out of that, uh, or we have, but then, you know, you got to spend your whole time being hyper vigilant about inflation, um, you know, and then you've got the model of, well, you know, Bernie bros, just like, well, we tax the, tax the hell out of the rich, you know, and they can pay for it. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all these ones, they're, they're problematic. The most disturbing one is the one that I'm seeing being proposed out of the NFTs community at the moment. And I think that's the more likely one uh, for it to come out because they're, they're looking at these things in terms of, uh, you know, tokens that end up being like frequent flyer rewards or, um, you know, loyalty, customer loyalty, like coupons <laughs> almost. And the people are going to have poor people are going to have to spend all their time online purchasing, um, purchasing these tokens with their eyeball hours. You know, watch this, fill in this survey, do that, and then you'll get paid in these tokens, which are essentially buy one get one free free things that they've got to try and make their life work on. You know, um, so I'm seeing all these, you know, horrendous ways being put forward that are still maintaining inequality and uh, are still, you know, basically making things impossible for people to survive in a system where, I mean, you look at uh, the US real estate market right now, you could have, so you and your partner could both be earning over 100K a year and have no kids in the United States and you still wouldn't be able to afford a house right now, a new house. And even if you could afford it, you know, if you're the first one there, there's already 12 offers on that and you've got to go into a bidding war. I mean, at the moment, there's so much demand for housing there in the United States and, and so little supply that it's, it's, it's just going through the window. It's bubbling right outwards. And we'll be following suit soon because we, uh, we usually end up following the states with those kind of trends. And you can see it already starting to happen here. You know, so in a place where it's impossible to have a dwelling, <laughs> to have shelter, then, you know, having some income is um, it's not going to help you. You're still going to be out in the rain. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And this is, this is the thing. It's like, well, then we need to give those people training so that they can uh, get more employment and supplement their uh, universal basic income with more training and get a job, um, you know, uh, lifting crates at Amazon and then and, and they can install a catheter so that they, they, because you can't take a bathroom break there anymore. Um, you know, so, so they can just sort of piss down their boot while they're doing their shift. You know, there's, um, it's just this horrendous tightening of the screws of neoliberalism right now. And, uh, you know, every solution that comes out, every donut economic solution that comes out, it gets kind of co-opted, you know, into that big nightmare mess of, uh, of, of oppression and inequality. Um, at the moment, I'm really struggling, though, to see how, how your, <laughs> your proposed um, eclectic system could actually be leveraged into damaging people. <laughs> it's really, it's really, I think you've, um, you've jujitsued your way into a, um, a, a, a system that's not easily corruptible well, I at think, the moment. I think the part which is, so there's a couple of thoughts. Look, I, what I, I'm, I totally hear, and what, what I dig a, a little bit about UBI is it gives, like the way Andrew Yang sort of spoke about it, and I was like, ended up in some really weird room in New York in this upstate apartment where he was starting his campaign, talking to 30 people. And that was one of the funny moments in my life. But I, I kind of like the logic because it was, it was actually part of the logic was saying that 
you know, the tech firms want to pay for this. Like they won, they worked out the game, but they don't want the whole world to like disappear or everyone's lives to suck. Like there's a certain point where there's, they, they realize that they got way too much more than their share. And, and so then next logic in that, um, you bounce out, you know, a, distrib- a, a tax which helps distribute a basic um, living wage to people. And then I think we break down some the next part around housing, right? like coming at it from other ways into housing of what are the decentralised, like off-grid um, housing communities, villages, sustainable ways that we can we can activate, which are potentially you know happier ways of living. And Buckminster Fuller did heaps of really like fascinating designs around geodomes and different. Mm ways of building living structures and there's sort of earth ships which have been built in these fascinating ways and lots of architectural designs we can borrow from um, indigenous people and other clever people who have just sort of worked out how to go go off grid in different pathways and I think that's that's maybe the where we might be heading is for different Mm. tiers of engagement um, and different ways of connecting where you've got the the capital still existing in one way, shape or form in one big circle. You've got this online world and then you've got a bit more of a sort of decentralised like village community being built um, from the grounds up in different places where there, if we can do that in a way where there's like um, some love and kindness through that transaction, where we're actually trying to find common understanding and um, and some sort of exchange of opportunity and, and value um, then then that's yeah that's the one that seems to have at least something to work with um that's it and all of them have stuff to work with i think i sort of see a little bit of value there and then the biggest flaw for our design is it's built on hope um it's built on an absolute assumption in human decency so every design meeting we're going into Mm. i'm saying i believe human beings are decent um even and even the person that every like if you put someone up on the judge's stand that 99.9 percent of everybody would say was not decent i want to find the decency in that person that's a that's a design flaw like we will be disappointed so your your system is gameable by bad actors absolutely absolutely and i and i don't want to if you spend your time like to a point i think we can kind of prevent a uh like we can do some checks and balances but you just, if you if you spend your time building, like if, if, if 30,000 people want to come on and pretend that they're reading a book and find out a way for someone else to, like, or a computer to, to game them pretending to read the book mm. and they get their 30,000 hoodies um, and they set, resell them online or they, like, wear them around, be like, oh, oh we broke this thing, then well done, humanity. Um, you know, at a certain yeah. point, you, you've got to go for, and I love, like, I'm not sure you read Rutger Bregman's book on a like a hopeful history of humanity, but he's he opens up with this opening sentence, which says, "I think we've been sold a bit of a a lie." And to paraphrase it, it's that you won't hear in corporate governance structures, you won't hear in newspapers, you won't hear in the way we talk about each other that human beings are actually fundamentally decent. And to extend um, one of the examples he speaks to, he talks about. Um, this historian who studied war um, and was in World War II with the Americans and the Japanese came over the top in a, in a battle and the Japanese had much less, many fewer soldiers, but they almost won the battle. And he sat down and he interviewed all of the soldiers afterwards 
tried to work out what was going on. It was the first time this sort of interview tactic had been used where you mm. have the general sitting with the frontline soldiers and you sort of don't play to the hierarchy. And the data he got was 15% of people actually fired their guns. And then he started tracking historical wars in all these different places and looking through and going, oh, when push comes to shove, we're told in the theatre of war, like that that's when we're at our cruelest, like kill or be killed and that we'll do whatever it takes to survive. And 15% of people actually fire their gun and the rest are like, well, I don't want to kill someone. Mm. And I think that I, like, I really, really, really believe that if we tell each other that um, we tell each other that we're, we're cruel, we mm. are very, very, very good actors and very good writers of scripts. Mm. And, and if we, if we can see our decency, then that activates hope and and that is the biggest risk of our work and it's the, yeah. the the counter you see after obama runs on hope and even seeing that i still yeah. want to run on hope um because i think I'm still going to run on hope you have to still go for it because well look i'm 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 still going to uh i'm still going to continue to um to think about how we might design some checks and balances in there too bros it's not that I don't trust people. People as individuals on the whole are always good actors, you know, because that's the way we're patterned um, as organisms individually, but then as a species in our groups and our systems that we naturally um, you know, fall into when we don't have, um, you know, when we don't have uh, systems of perverse incentives, um, you know, shaping us and shaping our interactions. And those perverse incentives come out of cultures of, rivalrous dynamics you know the competition that we started to we started out this conversation talking through there is that culture of competition and people when they do do see a common pool of resources uh that's open and gameable um you know it, it everybody knows that it does just take one bad actor to go in and gain an a um, an unfair competitive advantage by destroying that uh, that basically then just leads to that system of perverse incentives these little arms races emerging where everybody has to uh, jump in on that race to the bottom. Um, and it's not because they're bad people. It's just because they have to, and that's what they have to do to survive. And that's the thing. That's the thing that we need to resolve. And there is law. There is law, like the law of the land. That's, that's, that's under everything and eventually will smack you. Um, but what we need to do is figure out a way to have uh, uh, some balances and checks in there, like a, um, I, I think a structure that fractally builds up from your uh, smallest relation and then scales right through an entire nation and globally as well. Yeah, uh, yeah in order right. to provide those checks and balances, and there's there's as much spirit in that as uh, as there is anything else. But uh, I think that's what that's what uh, the challenge is going to be, and that's how we're going to reimagine the value uh, through this. Yeah, and I think that back to the sort of Rousseau design on the social contract, like if there's visibility of your neighbour and you're looking at each other and you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to steal your sheep because then you'll steal my sheep. And if we eventually do that, then we'll just like, yeah. you know, we'll kill each other. So we, we find, a, um, you know, the Hob I think the Hobbesian view of that is that by nature we're actually preventing our worst instincts, whereas yeah. Rousseau is actually saying, no, we just like our neighbour. Like, yeah. you know, we want them to have a good life. And, and yeah. it's, it's not our, so I think it's balancing. The problem is scaling that. The problem Absolutely. is scaling that to the level of a, a nation of millions of people because um, it, it works in a village where everything's transparent. You say problem, I say opportunity. Hey! <laughs>
<laughs> He's back in the room. High fives. High fives with J to the M to the B. Uh, <laughs> I love your capacity to be able to do that, brother. It's just, um, it's absolutely irrepressible. <laughs> and it does lift me up for at least 15 minutes, I feel. I feel excited after I talk to you. <laughs> hey, well, I think that's a good note to end uh, to end our hour on, bros. Thanks, Tyson. Yeah, right thing, looking forward to working on this. Love project. you, work, bros. Thanks for the opportunity to be able to pleasure. talk to you and and, and um, bring you in here. And and yeah, you're gonna have to tell me about meeting Andrew Yang. That sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> that's I bet you've met a whole heap of people like that. You just casually drop drop Yang name in there. Like anyway. All right. All good, man. Buzz. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the yarn. We'll catch up after. All right. Good luck, hoodies.